0: What a
1: big week in the middle of the state! We got college game day going to UCF. It is UCF against Cincinnati, nine and one Bearcats, coming in there for a nationally televised game. This is going to be something special uh, for the UCF Knights, and so uh, it's it kicks off the college football week and lots of games on hand. We've got Matt Baker, a college football writer of the Tampa Bay Times, to talk about that and all the games, including Florida State host Boston College, Florida Idaho, USF is at Temple and Notre Dame plays Syracuse in a big national game as well. Matt Baker in just a moment. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, before we get started, if you're like me, you're probably sick and tired of those high electric bills. My last electric bill was well over $300, and, folks, that is crazy. But if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. Call May Electric Solar. They're a locally-owned company. May Electric Solar is the safest Solar available, it doesn't use high voltage like some of the other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They use only their employees, no subcontractors ever. And May Electric Solar has a full showroom to see their products, and they're open on weekdays. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving 90 to 95% right now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Right now, you can also receive 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. So do this now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Okay, Matt Baker joins us now. And, and Matt, the, uh, the big game, I, I guess you'd say nationally only because College Game Day is there, which is a, a first and a, a huge thing for UCF, ranked number 11, of course, uh, in the country. And they're going to host Cincinnati, who is 9-1, a very good football team, um, this this is this is sort of a, a cool thing for for Central Florida to say the least. They've always wanted to get the, the attention, more attention. Uh, you know, maybe even push their way into a possible uh, you know bowl championship series type deal. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but just put in perspective just just what this means for for a program like UCF to have College Game Day there and have a national uh, primetime game.
2: It, it means a ton. I mean, first of all, let let's. Kind of get the elephant out of the room here. It's not a sure. great week of games, you know. It's kind of SoCon Saturday is what they call it in the SEC because your your big programs <laughs> right. are all playing. Most of them are playing pretty crappy teams to get ready for you know your uh, you know Bama, Auburn, and Clemson rivalry South Carolina, week. Yeah. Is the, correct. Sure. So that that helps um, UCF here, but this is this is huge. Let's not let's not. um dance around this, this is huge for them to get this kind of national recognition. You know, your prime time ABC slot, mm-hmm. slot game to there, the eyes of college football are going to be at the bounce house in Orlando. And that's huge because UCF, you know, last year, obviously it was a, a tremendous year of success by any, um, any measure, even if they, they had to make up their own national championship in there too. So sure. for them to get the validation that, Hey, look, I mean, it's just kind of funny that they still feel like these complete underdog story and that nobody respects us and we're underrated and this, that and the other. And they have some points in there, too. But it's going to be harder for them to make that argument now because game days in town again, it's it it is the focus in college football this weekend. So. Uh, it, it's a huge spotlight for them. Uh, the whole world is going to be able to see if they're as good as they think they are because Cincinnati is a very good team. I mean, they're, like you said, they're nine and one. And frankly, I think the Bearcats have a chance to win.
1: Yeah, they do. And, and we'll, we'll talk about Cincinnati in just a minute. I, I wanted to try it because, because listen, if I'm USF, <laughs> this is not my favorite weekend. Um, no. you know, you've got a team right down the road that's getting all this love and all this attention. And, nothing against usf their program i think is fine but you know ucf has won 22 in a row now i think that's the nation's yep. is that the nation's longest winning streak oh yeah um yeah. and 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 they um h- how did this begin i mean we can we can go as far back to the very beginning but i mean mm-hmm. josh hypo is not i mean he's taken over scott frost is the one uh that had the undefeated season and the and the mythical national championship um how have they been able to to sort of either collect this talent is it as simple as um, you know, having a great quarterback in Mackenzie Milton, is that is that what's made the difference? I mean, what is going on there?
2: <laughs> well, when you have a, a great top five probably in, in the country, m- maybe player, certainly quarterback in Mackenzie Milton. That's going to help an awful lot. It's a nice um, start, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. because he can you know, he can run. You know, he's, he's a good runner. Um, I, I don't want to yeah. undercount him. He's, he's a good runner, and obviously he has a, a good arm. He has a very, very quick release. That's the thing that mm-hmm. jumps out to me is he's got a quick release. And in that system where it, it's all about speed, UCF fast is kind of what they're about. So yeah. for you to have a quick release, get the ball out. To um, some of the speedy uh, playmakers that they have, and they do have a good amount of speed. Um, yeah. That obviously that that helps. Um, some of it is is obviously um, schematics. That the fact that they've been um, they're kind of more on the cutting edge than a lot of other um, teams are in terms of just the way they they run their offense and some of the wrinkles they do. And and, and again, enough speed too. So you kind of put all that together. Um, a, a great coach last year over the last two years was Scott Frost and, and Josh Heupel. I didn't know that he would be able to do quite what he's done because I, I, there, there are similarities between kind of the air raid that he grew up in um, playing for Oklahoma and, and coaching at Oklahoma and, and the more Oregon-style uh, offense, was just kind of what, what um, Frost ran. I, I thought right. there might be some hiccups there, but they've been able to kind of mesh the two well enough, and, and it's, it's clearly working.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Milton, to your point, 21 touchdowns through the air, just five interceptions. Last year it was 37 touchdowns and nine interceptions. He's run eight touchdowns, uh, eight rushing touchdowns this year. Uh, doesn't run a lot, 285 yards, but, but he certainly is good in the red zone in – um, and like it's a threat. It's
2: he's a he's a, yes, he's a threat yes. to run, and and just yes. that in itself is important because that's going to change how the defense keys off a little bit because they have to respect his ability to keep it. Um, and when you've got a, a back like Killens that they have, who's you know, it's just he's not big, but he is quick as can be, and, and some of the other speed that they have to be able to respect everything and and the way they spread it out, they have to respect every single inch of the field, and that's hard to do.
1: Yeah, it truly is. Cincinnati, uh, no slouch. Luke Fickle in his second year has done a great job there. They're nine and one. They're coming off a, a pretty good win, solid win over USF last week, 35-23. They actually uh, had the ball at the one yard line when it ended. Didn't cover the spread, so a bad beat there. If you're a Cincinnati fan, uh, Steve Bursting. correct. Hope you didn't hope you didn't vote on that game or bet on that game. But um, they're, they're you've said, you, and in fact, I think you picked them to make to, for the big upset here, right?
2: I did. I think it's. A, I think that's a close game. And I think Cincinnati's – again, Cincinnati's not the most talented team in the country. Um, They might not be the most talented team in the AAC, although they've been recruiting at a high level, and I think in a year or two they they will be. Mm -hmm. But they've got kind of the pieces that I think you need to beat UCF. Now, Luke Fickle was, I believe, a linebacker coach at Ohio State. Uh, UCF's linebackers are good. They've got a – top 10 top five pass defense and most of the major categories so again the way mckenzie milton throws that's going to be very very key i'm i'm not expecting them to get picks or anything like that maybe they can but i think they're going to be strong enough there to um you know limit the big plays which which you have to do and and maybe break up some of those passes and and get some Mm bunts and then on the other side of it um Cincinnati has a pretty darn good run game. I mean, look, uh, Michael Warren had, what was it, three touchdowns and 150 yards against USF last week. So the way you're going to beat UCF is you're going to have to take the air out of the ball when you have it. You're going to have to rush it. You're going to have to, um, you know, just limit uh, the opportunities for for UCF. And then you're going to have to have a good linebacker core and secondary to have a chance. And I think UCF checks those boxes. And I think some of it, it's really hard to win 22 in a row. It's even harder to win 23 in a row. And at some point, I think things are going to catch up to UCF. I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year. Again, they're, they're still a very, very good team, a top 10 team in the country in my eyes. But eventually things start catching up. You know, they, they needed some breaks to beat Memphis on the road in the rain a couple of weeks ago. They yeah, didn't they look didn't. dominant against a not great Navy team last week. So there are some cracks there. And I think Cincinnati and, and Luke Fickle are going to be good enough to exploit them.
1: All I would say uh, about um, Central Florida is, is about this weekend is there's going to be so much emotion from what nine a.m. eight a.m. whenever they do uh, they, yep. they come on live with countdown all the way through for a night game um, and you talked about the bounce house how much of an adv- I mean look it's an on-campus stadium we've talked about this with USF and whether that's something that um, certainly it's something they would probably like to have is that is that an edge for 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 UCF at all it's a smallish stadium. Um, not one with very many amenities. Students, I guess, uh, are you know can get there fairly easily. I mean, has that has that become a, a home field advantage?
2: <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Twenty two um, in a row. I mean, yeah, it's I, I I've covered two games there, and, and they were such it's, they could not possibly have been diff, more different. Uh, I was there a couple years ago. Actually, it was, it was this weekend because it's a week before UCF USF. They were finishing their winless season uh, against I think it was East Carolina on like a Thursday night or something. I think there were I think I probably counted all eight people in the stands and I could you couldn't see their faces because <laughs> they had the paper bags uh, saying Nightmare wow. on them. Um, and, and I mean it was as dead and as flat as could be and they got waxed by ECU. And then I was there a, a couple weeks ago for the FAU game on a, I think it was a Thursday or Friday night that one was and that place was I mean it, it was literally bouncing. Um, you could feel the stand shake from the press box which is a really cool feeling but it's also really disconcerting when terrifying. you' look down, like yeah wait, wait terrifying. My, my coffee yep that's that's really i'm, I'm not crazy here that the coffee's really shaken um <laughs> so it yeah it is definitely a a, a good um, home field advantage for them and the <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll discuss the on-campus uh, versus off-campus stadium another time but there's no question in that it's a great environment and will be a big plus for, for UCF on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think I think it'll be I think this, I, for that reason I expect them to roll, but you never know. I mean, uh, Cincinnati is very very good, so that's the game uh, certainly nationally that's going to get attention, one of them, uh, and, um, and and locally as well. We've got others though, and you're going to be at Florida State is uh, hosting uh, Boston College. And B.C. kind of let me down last week. I thought
2: maybe they were going to, I don't know, put up more of a fight than they did. Um, well, when you're starting quarterback, Anthony Brown gets hurt on what was like the sixth play of the game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And you're playing yeah. a top two team in the country with a, you know, just a bunch of dudes on defense. Yeah, it makes the road a little bit harder. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that makes sense. Meanwhile, uh, Florida State, mm, not a very good effort. They're four and six now. <laughs> Two and five in the ACC, and we've said this for weeks. I don't see another win on their schedule, but uh, they are at home, and they did run the ball a little bit better last week, I guess you would say. Maybe that's something they can build themselves around?
2: I mean, if you want to be overly optimistic, sure. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not much for Willie Taggart's team here, huh?
2: Yeah, their offensive line still isn't good. And, you know, again, one of the su- biggest surprises to me in the country is how bad Florida State's run game has been. And, yes, it showed a little bit of signs uh, of life against Notre Dame, but they couldn't do anything in, in the red zone, and, and that was the difference. Um, what, what jumps out to me about this Florida State-Boston College game is just I mean it how big it is for the Seminoles if they lose the bowl streak is done I think it's 36 years in a row FSU has gone to a bowl they have to win the next two to to keep it alive and I don't think that they will I think the streak officially ends on Saturday against Boston College and if that happens too, then the, uh, it'll be a losing season, and that hasn't happened since 1976, which was Bobby Bowden's first year at Florida State. Is the last time they, they had a losing record. So I think uh, I mean, there's obviously there's those are the things FSU is playing for, but the way things have gone this year, again with the offensive line being erect, the defense, you know, kind of going downhill the last couple weeks, I don't see a win Saturday, and I don't see one against the Gators either.
1: You and Martin Fanley went back and forth in the Tampa Bay Times on Tampa Bay.com about what's a bigger which team is a bigger disappointment, Miami or Florida State. You chose yep. Florida State. Why?
2: At least my well, a couple of reasons. Miami beat Florida State. So if nothing else, they have that win over the rival. And considering how lopsided the series has been over the last decade, um, I think that that counts for something. And Miami at least their losses have been competitive. They've been in games. Right. I think their their last four losses are by like a combined 30 points, whereas Florida State's loss Saturday was like 29 or something like that. So at least Miami has been close. Florida State hasn't even been in the ballpark in many of these games. They weren't yeah. in the ballpark against Clemson. They weren't in the ballpark against Notre Dame. They weren't in the ballpark um, – Against Syracuse early on, they they weren't in a ballpark against Virginia Tech in the opener. Virginia Tech's not even very good. We've learned
1: they're not good. So yeah,
2: so to me, that's kind of why I I would say that. And and the fact, you know, I I trust Rick, Mark Richt at Miami, more than I trust Willie Taggart. Um, I'm higher on Rick than a lot of people are, and and I'm fine with that because he was a good coach at Georgia. He wasn't a great coach. But he was certainly a a good coach. You don't accidentally win a couple SEC titles like he did. Whereas uh, the jury is still kind of out on Willie Taggart. He can recruit, but I think schematically X's and O's in game planning, he has some weaknesses, and they've shown up time and time again this season. So for there to be this many questions year one under him, uh, to me, that they're they're the bigger disappointment. But as I wrote, there there are no winners here. There's only it's only losers <laughs> between FSU and Miami. I I just happen to think the Seminoles are a slightly bigger loser right now.
1: All right, buyouts aside, and they cost millions of dollars. Let me ask you this question because it's it's going to be a topic. Let's say Florida State doesn't look good against these next two opponents, Boston College or Florida. They missed the bowl. Um, all those all those uh, you know first that you just mentioned. Um, is, is Willie Taggart at all going to be in any kind of trouble? Um, no. What changes? No, he's fine, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's too much money. Um, yeah. F, F, again, I thought FSU was going to be better than this. I had him in my preseason top 25. I think I had him around 18, 19. I, I didn't think they were going to be great, but I thought they'd at least be decent. And I think what we've seen this year is some of the cracks that were showing and Jimbo's last year have just become, have opened up into craters is, I guess, the easiest way to say. And I think people at FSU who are in the and around the program knew that some of these things would happen and that it was not going to be an overnight fix. There are some long-term cultural things that have to be changed, and that doesn't happen immediately. Now, I'm going to uh, paraphrase Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation and SB Nation.
0: Good
2: good dude, really sharp reporter. I think it was he that said with, with Willie Taggart, he he basically had four years. It was a six year deal, if I remember right, but he had four years to to prove that he could do something. And this year has been so bad. Now he has three. And I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. He went from really four years to to three. and, And if things don't get better then at that point, you start talking about a change.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it right there. Um, at, you were at Florida and South Carolina, I believe, last weekend, and uh, the big comeback by the Gators. Um, I really thought this game was over. I think it was 31-14. I'll be honest with you. I walked Correct. away from it. When I walked back to it, they were, they were leading, and I saw the highlights and how they did it. Look, Felipe Franks may not have started this game if uh, Kyle Traskas doesn't get hurt, so we don't even know, for starters, just what they would have done there. But he's had this sort of – uh, relationship with gator fans and just more to people in general of of uh love him hate him love him hate him you know sort of up and down sort of the way his play has been and i thought it was interesting kind of his reaction to scoring a touchdown late taking the lead um he's an interesting guy i think uh, as a quarterback for that for that team
2: he really is if it- I, I was i watched you know obviously i watched his his first touchdown run from the press box and i'm th- I'm, I'm watching his celebration I'm like did he did he just shush the crowd like <laughs> he did it, his no, own no, crowd no, I, I couldn't i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't have seen that right i he must have been doing a number one and, and I, the angle was off and i'm kind of looking around in the press box and uh no yeah he definitely did when, when you see the replay and he also, um, if you see one of the replays, he, he seems to say uh, a word I can't say on this uh, sure. on this family-friendly podcast, but a not very nice way to tell the fans to, to shush themselves as well. I'm mm. like, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a home player do that. It turns out LaMichael Pirine, uh, I think it was Pirine, um, one of the other Gator running backs did something similar um, when, when he scored in that game, and Felipe did it again when he scored the game-winner. He's he's under a lot of heat, and, and that, but that's the way it is when you play quarterback in the SEC, particularly at a program like Florida. You you play you want to go to a place like the Gators if you're a quarterback because you know what the history is. There's three guys with Heisman trophies. You know, I see I walk by those statues every single time when I go up to Gainesville. So mm-hmm. that's what the pedigree is. That's what the expectation is when you're doing well. Then it's great. People are throwing flowers at you and, it, and it's wonderful. But when you're not doing well, the heat is, burns really, really hot. And Felipe has obviously learned that. And I think he kind of got tired of things last week and it bubbled up on Saturday. You know, the good thing one of the good things and bad things about him is he plays with a lot of emotion. Sometimes that works well because he was willing to call his own number when he couldn't see the play on fourth and inches because he was ticked off and wanted to run somebody over and he did, and the gators won the game because of it. But sometimes that emotion can run too hot. You know, I don't know that saying that to your or doing that to your fan base when you want to fill up the swamp and you're having attendance problems. I don't know if that's the best way to do it. And I think sometimes the emotion can, uh, make one bad play become two or maybe force some bad reads and bad throws, which should, can lead to some of the turnover issues that he's had. but that's again, that's Felipe Frank's good, bad or in the middle, and that's who he is and I don't know that that's gonna change.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it is either. I mean that's sort of his edge at times, but uh, he did he did pull off the comeback and that was that was a big one I think for the gators to to win that game, Probably get them into a bigger bowl for sure now this week, um, kind of a strange circumstance. They play Idaho, which uh,
2: seems like a preseason game to me. <laughs> well, it and it's supposed to be a preseason game because this was, I think it was in 2014 is when they were going to play. And there was rain and lightning. And if I remember right, they, they did the opening kickoff. I think Florida took it to the house. And then there was more lightning. And they're like, all right, we're done here. Everybody go home. We'll try again another day. And now, you know, four years later is that other day. That means Florida didn't have to pay the – you know, eight hundred thousand or whatever it was for a game that was canceled. Um, it's a, it's a very weird game though because again, this got rescheduled years ago. Since then, Idaho has gone from a 1A team to now an FCS team, so that'll be the second one the Gators play. Um, the the other thing that I have to say about about Idaho, which is this is more than I've ever spoken about that the Idaho in, in my entire life. This is a time when I wish Jim McElwain was still the Gators head coach. He, he coached and he played in, and coached in the Big Sky Conference against Idaho. And um, right. the, there were some ties there that helped, led him to get the Michigan State uh, assistant job, which really led to him eventually becoming the Gators head coach. So I bet he has some wonderful stories about <laughs> playing Idaho at, when they were. Know, driving over from Montana State and a bus breaking down in the snow and walking five miles uphill and this, that, and the other. So I would love to hear some Jim McElwain-Idaho stories right now. But alas, uh, instead it's going to be a 52-3 route. And the only thing interesting is going to be whether Emory Jones plays or not.
1: Well, Dirk Cutter will be rooting for the Gators because he went to Idaho State, so this is there That's, right.
2: That's right.
1: That's you, right. You've got that going for you. Um, the big national game, I guess, other than the UCF Cincinnati game we talked about, is Syracuse against Notre Dame. This game is being played at Yankee Stadium. If it was in, uh, if it was in the Dome in Syracuse, I'd give them a, a fighting chance. But I think Notre Dame has proven they're just too strong.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And actually, this game was supposed to be at Notre Dame. Um, that was initially when it was scheduled, but Notre Dame moved it to Yankee Stadium. They do this Shamrock Series thing where they, you know, because Notre Dame is such a national brand,
3: brand they try and
2: yeah. play in, in weird places like Ireland and, and San Diego and Jacksonville. And anyway, this this time's in it's in Yankee Stadium. I, I wonder if they would much rather this one, given the stakes, ha- have it in South Bend rather than in, in Yankee Stadium. But, um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Notre Dame wins. They've played really, really well. I, I think the expectation is that Ian Book, their starting quarterback, is going to be healthy enough from a rib injury that kept him out against FSU. I think he will play. Syracuse has a, a very dynamic offense with, with Eric Dungy at quarterback. Dino Bavers and those guys have been putting up a lot of points. I mean, Syracuse, to me, one of the most improved, best stories of the year. But I think Notre Dame's too, too much, so I, I you know I like the Irish in that one.
1: Okay, finally, Matt, uh, USF is at Temple. Of course, uh, they're reeling a little bit. They've lost three in a row in I think what's caught up to him now, obviously Blake Barnett is is, is a factor unto himself uh, being injured, uh, I guess, a week ago. But I think what's caught up to him is the defense. The defense has never been very good. They lost six or seven players to the NFL last year. Um, not very big inside. They don't have Augie Sanchez, you know, clogging things up. Um, they could struggle at Temple too, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Temple's been able to, you know, when they changed quarterbacks a couple of weeks in, I mean, again, Temple wanted the bigger turnarounds because they were so bad early on. They lost to Villanova. Vill- Villanova! Um, mm. But they changed quarterbacks, and Jeff Collins, the former Gators defensive coordinator, he's got them them rolling on offense as well. One of the guys I'm keeping an eye on in, in that game is Vintel Bryant. He's a 6'3", 200-pound receiver for Temple from Jefferson High School. I covered him a good amount with the Dragons. Um, he, he just became Temple's all-time leader in receiving yards. I think he needs two catches on Saturday to become the Owls' all-time leader in receptions. He's got a catch in all 45 of his career games, so I expect him to break the, uh, the Temple record there and uh, potentially have a big game and what I would uh, expect to be a nice win for, uh, for the Owls over USF.
1: Let me ask you, because it's that time of year, is Charlie Strong going to get any nibbles for a Power 5 job?
2: I think he would like it. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see just how all the market shakes out. Um, right. You know, they're, 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 I think the only real high profile job that's going to come open is USC. Now, maybe something happens with Urban at Ohio State, or maybe somebody goes to the NFL. Maybe, maybe uh, Jim Harbaugh parlays a great run at Michigan into a, and a job in the league or something like that. Let's so see, where would that I, I be? don't know. <laughs> I, I, could you think of any Just coaches saying. in the league? It's going to be some
1: vacancies do. in the NFL. Let's put it that way. Y- yeah, a lot in do. the state of Florida, by the way. I think more than one. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying all, which teams, but possibly uh, more than
2: one. You're being really cryptic there, Rick. Um, I am
1: because I don't want to. I don't. You know, that's what I do.
2: Yeah. Um. Our our listeners are smart people. They know where mm-hmm. we're going with this. Um. So I don't know what all vacancies are going to open up. Um, I, I expect, I think Charlie would like a, a power five job. And th- the fact is this is the last year that he's still getting buyout money from Texas. So his USF contract, as I understand it, is structured accordingly, where if he's not sure. getting the Texas money, then they're going to pay more. So it's going to be a really interesting dance to see what happens between USF and, and Charlie Strong. It would he want to go to Kansas? Would Kansas want him? Um, I, I think the expectation is that this will probably be Bill Snyder's last year at Kansas state. So w- would they want him? Pro- probably not. They'd go in, you know, they might go with Jim Levitt, but so that's an interesting one. I don't know if like North Carolina would want Charlie again. I think I've said this before on here, but Maryland, just how dysfunctional they've been. Maybe they might want to make a run at him, but I don't know how much money they have. So there, there's going to be some interesting openings but I don't know where he he fits into that. Uh, I, I, you know, he's getting he's getting up there. He's not a spring chicken anymore, so I I don't know who all would want him. And it's going to be very. I'll tell you this: it's going to be one of the most interesting stories in the state in in the off season. What happens with Charlie and USF?
1: And his former team, Louisville, has fired their coach in Bobby Petrino. So. A lot of vacancies. Uh, oh, it's, it's that time of year. First, it's the college uh, coaching, and then followed by the NFL after that. So um, it's going to be that, that that time of year here soon. Also, next week, can't wait for this rivalry weekend, man. We got uh, Florida, Florida State, USF uh, Central Florida, What Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan. Man, we got a ton of good games next week. Looking uh, forward to that.
2: <laughs> USC-Notre Dame is going to be interesting because there's yep. a – it's legit chance that that's uh, Clay Helton's last job at USC or last coaching uh, game at yeah. USC, and the way Notre Dame could be basically playing for a playoff spot. I'm a yep. little surprised and hurt you didn't mention Northwestern Illinois. I in there. know the well, Big Ten West champion Northwestern Wildcats. Yep.
1: Yes. Yes. Indeed. They yeah, They're going to get down they're going to get
2: waxed by they're going to get waxed by Michigan and in and in, 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 in Indianapolis
1: probably probably but at least they're there i mean wisconsin couldn't make it there for god's sakes they don't have a quarterback although they did just sign a four-star recruit from somewhere which uh all the badger fans including my wife are happy about but uh yeah it's uh hey give it up give it up to northwestern man they made it to the championship it doesn't matter after that maybe they can pull off the upset for the ages but uh but congratulations to, to your northwestern wildcats i mean that's a that's a big deal
2: it, really it, it is it, it's stunning a team lo- that lost to akron and and duke <laughs> and when owen three and non-con <laughs> can be playing for a conference championship um it's just, true. To, j- just to actually make this conversation relevant to to people listening here um if northwestern were to somehow beat michigan that'd be really okay. bad news for the gators um florida is number 13 in the college football playoff rankings that were unveiled Tuesday night. That means they have a serious chance at going to one of the new year's six big bowl games. But for that to happen, obviously Florida has to win out. They have to get some help. You know, Syracuse is one spot ahead of them. I think they lose to Notre Dame, which kind of knocks them below. Maybe some Mm -hmm. big 12 stuff happens and they can move up another spot there. But one of the things that would be bad for them is if a, a Northwestern, beat michigan to win the the big 10 and get the automatic spot in the rose bowl um or if um a a, a pit beat clemson or something like that to take one of that because that means you're going to have really good teams like michigan and, and clemson take at large spots potentially yeah. instead of um, your, your guaranteed conference spot so that's something that that could hurt and there, we actually made Northwestern relevant to people in the state of Florida. How about that?
1: <laughs> That's right. You just created more Michigan fans in the state of Florida as well, which uh, which is uh-huh. interesting. Matt Baker, as always, appreciate it. You can read him on tampabay.com, and uh, he'll be at Florida State Boston College. Thanks, Matt. You got it, Rick. I'm, I am can't wait for this Central Florida game. I think it's going to be a spectacle over there, and I think this is going to help them probably for years to come. I do think, unfortunately, Steve, they're going to take down your Cincinnati Bearcats, although it should be a good game. I know you're going to go to the game. Is that right? Yeah, I'm gonna going to head over
3: on Saturday night. Uh, it's an 8 o'clock game there. So I think UCF's going to win as well, but I think my Bearcats can give them a hell of a, hell of a game.
1: What a great atmosphere that will be for college football, and I'm excited for them to see college game day, which I just look forward to every Saturday morning. Um, I'll be at one buck place today. Of course, a chance to talk to the bucks again and Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback who will make another start this time against the giants. And we'll have more from Jason Pierre, Paul going back to playing his former team. And, uh, before we go, congratulations to Blake Snell, the raised left-hander winner of the Cy Young award. He certainly was deserving, had an outstanding year. What was it? 21 wins. I believe he was the most uh, dominant the pitcher season. in the American league. No question. Left or right-handed. And, yep. uh, you know, he, that puts him now in a, in a special class when you think about the great pitchers in Rays history. I mean, he's right there now with David Price and James Shields, um, you know, Matt Garza. I mean, however far you want to go. But um, just a, just an incredible year and a young guy that's got many, many years ahead of him. We'll see if the Rays are able to hang on to him for a long term. But um, that was a hell of a year. And I, I'm, I'm excited for him. I mean, that's that's a nice place to start when your staff, you know, begins with a Cy Young award winner.
3: Well, and there's no reason to think next year he's not going to continue on, maybe not quite that pace, but because you really saw him starting to improve at the end of the 2017 season. The last month, month and a half, even two months of that season, you really saw the improvement in his his pitching and performance and, and all aspects of it, not just throwing, but the mental part of it. And then he carried it right into 2018, and wow, what a season it was.
1: And finally, the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning continue their road trip. They've lost two in a row now. they got to get off the snide a little bit. They play uh, against the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Look, I don't think you really blame them for the game that they just lost um, the other night in Buffalo. you got to just tip your hat to the goaltender, don't you?
3: Oh, absolutely. And Nikita Kucherov hits the post twice in the final minute trying to tie the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, they outshot them 65-36 to 36 on shot attempts. Um, mm-hmm. They played fine. They just didn't get the breaks, and that happens sometimes. So, Pittsburgh goes a place they generally don't play very well, so no, nope. uh, we'll see how they do tonight. Although well, Pittsburgh's, you know, kind of struggling this season, they're they're off to a rough start uh, for, for their normal starts. I mean, they're doing okay, but it's not their normal starts that they have. So time for the Lightning to take advantage of that. Andre Vasilevsky should be back between the pipes, so that mean that'll help them
1: as well. So we got lots to talk about tomorrow. We're here every Monday through Friday. Um, you guys need to join us if you haven't already, and you can always interact with us. We just had a mailbag the other day, but you don't have to wait for that. You can contact us uh, at SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address, at com. And remember, uh, if you want to fix those electric bills, folks, go see my friends at May Electric Solar right now. Call them at 727-819-2862. You can get a 30% tax credit by changing to solar en- solar energy through 2019. That's May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.